All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football Podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, the right-hand man, Lou. <laughs> all right, so, Weston, that was my attempt <laughs> of doing, like, a 90s, like, uh, sitcom, like, intro. You know, you know, like, uh, when they're, like, introducing everyone, they had, like, a name on the bottom, and they're not yep. even looking, and all of a sudden, they're like, <laughs> sad news this is only our audience would know what the 90s sitcoms were doing and what their intros were so i think i try, it, I try to channel my inner my inner like family matters or perfect strangers type shit oh my god dude two greats <laughs> by the way balky bartakam takamas right and come on, larry, come on cousin larry come on, appleton cousin come on cousin weston let's do this yeah all right all right so, Lou, we're here to recap week seven of the 2022 NFL season. Sure. I'm sh- uh, yeah, sure. I'm <laughs> sure we pl- have plenty to go off on related to both of our teams showings this this pack- past weekend. But I do also think on a positive note, there's a few topics we can dive into uh, coming out of week seven of the NFL season. But before we do that, let's remind our listeners that tonight's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great betting tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive content, fascinating interviews, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to for sports content. And Lou, while we're on the subject, where can everybody find your friends at We're Talking Football? Instagram, Twitter at WTF Pod NFL, and Weston, as always, plug the YouTube page. Real simple. We're talking football. You know the drill. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your friends, uh, help us out. Right? Yeah. We're started as a hobby. We're we're rolling up our sleeves. We're putting in a lot of hard work on top of our our everyday lives as fathers. You know uh, how you know how like I am avoiding my family on Sundays. This is like. I'm really yeah. dedicated to, to to my craft right here. So yeah. for me to spend 11 and a half hours away from my family on Sunday it kills me. It just kills yeah. me. Audience, it's for you. I'm already in the doghouse. I have a Halloween party this Sunday that I will not be in attendance at because I need to be locked, loaded, in front of the computer, in front of the TV, watching hey. so we can come up with the groundbreaking content we're going to deliver to you Weston, on Wednesday evenings. Nor should you be in in, in, uh, in uh, attendance on a no. Sunday. Who, who? Come on. I haven't dressed up for Halloween since I was 12. Yeah. You know, actually that's false last year. Inside joke here, but I did dress up as a giant squirrel. Okay. Um, but, and that'll probably be, if there's ever a moment where I dress up again for the rest of my life, I will just be a giant squirrel go forward. There'll be n- never another costume purchased. I was uh, last year, um, the dude from Lebowski, and it's just homemade. Just literally wore a white my white t shirt, some sweatpants, flip flops, uh, and, and my robe, sunglasses. My head, my long hair and beard, and you know, carried a milk jug around. <laughs> the dude abides. The dude abides. <laughs> Such a great movie. Hey, if you're looking to follow a celebrity, little tidbit here: what you probably don't know about me is once upon a time I was in a movie with Jeff Bridges. And Robin Williams when I was five years old called the Fisher King production. And I made a very small appearance, but I had my own trailer. They cut my hair. They dyed my hair. Um, Here's a funny story real quick about this. And Are you on IMDb? 
Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly have never checked. I, I doubt it, right? For at this point, what's your real know. name? Because Weston's this that's your actor name, that's your stage. That's name, my Weston stage Smith. name. That's no, all that's I, not a real name. I changed my birth certificate, so <laughs> that's as real as it gets. But true, funny story about this, right? So, I was essentially supposed to be a double for the young kid that had a, a, a more prominent, like on-screen picture part so they they made me look like this kid and i was the double because it was really late at night that they were filming in new york city and if he fell asleep they needed somebody to go right in we were really young right so they had to keep me up all night my parents never in a million years thought like it would go anywhere that i'd have to do anything outside of just like be present so my mom never didn't even bring a camera sat on jeff bridge's lap and took a picture with him but the mother of the kid that i was the double for had a camera, took a picture. We gave our information to them to send the picture to us. This is like non cell phone days, right? This is like actual like Polaroid pictures. They never sent it. And we always talked about how like, probably because they made me look exactly like the kid and they didn't get that picture with their own kid. It worked so bad, dude. True story. Robin Williams people felt so bad for me because I stayed up from literally like all day, all night, till five or six o'clock in the morning until my parents drove us home and we were done shooting. Robin Williams people came up to us and were like, we feel so bad. We want to take your son and your family around New York city in a ride in our limousine and meet Robin Williams. So my parents approached me with that. And at five years old, I said, no, I'm too tired. And they brought me home. And my dad, as I got older, would joke with me. Sorry, Pop, that this is being put out in public. But my dad was basically like, dude, do you realize you cost me the opportunity to do cocaine with Robin Williams while he was alive? <laughs> True like, story, dad, dude. If I couldn't, like, dad, no. if I can't, couldn't do it, neither could you. Exactly, dude. Like, dad, I didn't have my good straw. I didn't have a good hundred to roll up with it. Like, gotta go. True story. <laughs> Swear to God. Um, oh my God, I can't believe it. I haven't told that story in a long, long, long time, man. But like, if, if any of the listeners want validation, I'll literally get my parents on here to explain how this went down. But that um, is great. All right. Back on subject here. Yeah, we um, digress. Yeah, we digress back to what we're talking. Football is all about. Um, it's about the ball. Lou, we started, we, a new little take. Every couple about a couple of weeks ago, so now we want to dive into to some some hot topics. I think we identified a couple that we can delve into this evening. So I'll let you lead us into our our first hot topic that you want to discuss today. All right. So I know we try to cover all of you know the NFL teams as much as we can, as best as we can, to the best of our ability, right? <clears throat> um. But I think we're doing a disservice if we do not discuss the 49ers and what's been going out there in the Bay Area. And for me, the question is, is Kyle Shanahan still the man for the 49ers? I'll, I'll give you the floor. All right. Give me the I, – I will take the floor willingly. Um, I think you know my stance on this. But I guess outside of just – Social media chatter and how toxic this fan base can I don't know. be. There is some, the they're starting to build some validity, though. There's start. There's some evidence, and this is eerily. I've, I've I said it. I think uh, last week or two weeks ago. I don't know. This is starting to give me that um, Marty Schottenheimer type of vibes. Like, yeah, you can get your do. You can do good, but you just can't get us over the hump. 
Yeah. With Marvin Lewis, right? Like, hey, you'll be in the playoffs every year, but you're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs every exactly. year. Exactly. So this yeah. is starting. There is some, there is, you know, so, there is some validity to this conversation. Yeah. You can't just be a great, you can't just be a great, and I'm sorry I'm steering the thunder a little bit, but you can't just be a great offensive play caller. You need to be, because that's North Turner. North Turner, yeah. fantastic 100%. offensive co- uh, coordinator. Uh, Gary Kubiak, fantastic offensive coordinator. Now you take them out of the ability, you know, their their comfort level of calling offensive plays and put them in a head coach. They never experienced the same amount of success uh, as they did in the lesser role. So is Kyle no. Shanahan that guy? So the short answer is yes. Um, I, th- I I feel like sports fans in general are just so like short sighted, right? Like I know he's been in the like. All right, so dude, he's been in the position for what? 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. His sixth season right now in that. We know what roster he inherited in 2017. It was abysmal. Abysmal. Right? They started the season 0-9, dude. Abysmal. 2018, hey, you brought in this prize quarterback that helped you win five straight games. He gets injured early in week three. We know how the rest of the season goes. We're drafting Bosa in 2019. Yet, 2019, he's playing in a Super Bowl. 2020, the team was literally probably the most injured football team I've ever seen in professional in like in the NFL, like with what they sustained. 2021, back in the NFC championship with some struggles. So what I'm saying is like we're questioning a guy that's made two conference championship appearances and a Super Bowl appearance in less than six in five seasons, essentially, right? Like mm-hmm. that's pretty successful, right? Like, I mean, look around the NFL. How many other coaches can say that can't, right? Like you just can't. And I think a lot of this is like, <clears throat> is some, the way they lose games sometimes the way they win games sometimes. And I have a deeper question related to this and it's more of an observation than a question, but the short answer to me is yes. The body of work tells me what I need to know. The, the play calling not all time. No, no, there's no play caller in the league. That's perfect every single time. Right. And I think he just gets highly scrutinized. We talked about this because the way he treats the media, the way he carries himself, the way he does things. So you just want to, you want to like pick at him and you want to pick apart. But I had always argued this like, okay, 49ers fans, who else do you want? Oh, you want Sean Payton. Uh, but we've somehow forgive Sean Payton all the time for those seven and nine seasons with a hall of fame quarterback, right? With a hall of fame quarterback in drew Brees. Like we forget all that. And then I look around the rest of the league and I'm like, all right, I could think of like five coaches, maybe that if Shanahan left this team that I would be comfortable with coming in and running this team. It's, it, it's, it's the coach question is the same as the quarterback question. You either have a top five one or you don't. Right. And if you don't, you're looking for those people. And I believe Kyle to be that now he's not in my eyes, he's not immune to, scrutiny he's not immune to like go win a super bowl then I'll, I'll forgive some things so like i will scrutinize you i will question those things and and fans and analysts have every right to do that but i think we're just getting a little carried away so like lou i i do actually believe that you think the same way that i do and i haven't even asked you back that but before i do when you talked about there's some validity to this over time i know you you're an analytic guy 
So what are the analytics that you may want to bring into question that could suggest to a non super fan that maybe he's not the guy. All right. So being a casual observer of the 49ers, first of all, my knee jerk reaction, I've always been pro Kyle Shanahan. Have I not? I said, we've always made the, the reference as soon as he puts his right foot in the parking lot, he would have another job opportunity. I'm starting to pull back from that thought process a little bit. Still think he's a fantastic coach. Still think he's a great designer of plays. But I'm starting to realize maybe he's not so Teflon as I, I thought. And maybe there's a little more chinks in his armor than I originally thought. Uh, because obviously, you know me, I, I, I came up, so, you know, I saw some stats you know, on social media, so that's where I get all my news and uh, all my uh, medical advice too from as uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, <clears throat> you'd be surprised how many uh, educated people are just giving away free intelligent advice. But anyway, I digress again. That a couple of the things I saw; these were the stats that I saw with Kyle Shannon during his tenure as the 49ers head coach. So for this season, he's zero and two. When uh, when he's down at halftime, right, that's not a, that's not a huge sample size, right? But since 2017, in 37 games, he's seven and 30. If he's down at halftime, that's that's pretty bad. So if you're if he doesn't have a lead, uh, he shows an inability to to kind of come back in games. Um, yep. I don't know what you want to call it. You can blame it on the quarterback play. I get that because of the injuries and what have you. But you still think if you're a good coach, right, that number should be closer to 500. And I'm going to use Mike Tomlin as an example, right, especially towards the latter years of Big Ben's career. He still never had a losing record with Big Ben and that noodle arm of his. So you're starting to have to think that is – you know, these numbers are are, are, are eye-opening, eye-popping, and more numbers since, you know, if he's down after the third quarter. In 35 games since 2017, he's 4-31 and 31 if he's down in the, in the third quarter, incapable of coming back in the fourth quarter. Um, <clears throat> if he's down three points plus after the third quarter, he's 1-30. and 30. These, This is what this is telling me. I'm starting. I'm being a little more critical in my approach with Shan because I, you know, obviously he comes from royalty. His father was a great head coach, right? Uh, and I think I might have got blinded by that and his fell in love with his schemes and his play. But it's being a head coach just more than being a creative offensive play caller. It's managing the whole game, right? And it's managing your staff, right? Um, those numbers were eye popping to me. What it tells me is that he has trouble of putting a full game plan together. He starts off hot. And if he doesn't start off hot, it's done. It is done. And you can't tell me otherwise. Uh, and like I said, you can cite injuries. I get those years that you, you said, but still, even with those injuries, you think it'd just be closer to one in 30 Weston. I mean, how do you just, that's, that's only three points. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, even right. a blind squirrel so, finds a nut here and there. And he did. He won one of them. Uh, so let's put some context around that. So you mentioned the what six in whatever after halftime trailing, mm -hmm. right? So 
20, I think 29 or something like that. Seven, right? and, was the 30, number, seven, seven and 30. And 30 right? So their record in 2017 was six and 10. In 2018, they were four and 12. So let's just comfortably say that that's easily and without even me having to look, just knowing that's 20 games that they lost, that they went into down at halftime with a depleted, a depleted roster, no, no superstars. You know what I mean? Like just totally different than the team looks right now. So there's more than half the equation right there. The one stat that stands out to me, and this is why, and I've always said this, that I'm not a huge analytic guy. I'm not a huge data guy because I can get it to tell me and, and align to any narrative that I want. So Lou, what if I told you that, over that same period, when going into a fourth quarter, trailing by three points or more, Sean McVay was three and twenty-five. John Harbaugh was four and twenty-one. Bill Belichick is four and twenty-five. In fact, the le- the NFL average for head coaches over that time is less than thirteen percent that they win those games. Yeah, so I know those, you say yeah, 23 those, points. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. But, those coaches are not as feast as fam as Kyle Shanahan. You know. No, they, but they these have, are the guys that if you if you move more Shanahan they're that more you consistent. need to go. That, like, those are the only names that, like, to me are, like, who would I be aggressive to, like, try to bring here to coach that's not Kyle Shanahan. You know so what I'm my, saying? My thing is, is I held Kyle Shanahan in the same breath or in regards as those guys you just mentioned. I don't now. I'm just pulling back a little bit. I don't no longer think he's a top five coach. I think he's he's top ten, but probably close towards the bottom end of that top ten. And that's fine though. Yeah, you can win with a top ten coach. There's nothing to sneeze upon. Um, so I, that's what I'm saying. I just don't. I'm pulling back on my reverence on how I feel. Totally. Uh, and- I thought he's bulletproof because I fell in love with his you know schematic on the offensive side of the ball, but. Don't don't not fall in love with what he can do on the offensive side of the ball. A lot of his struggles does come down to execution, right? Like mm-hmm. it does. But I think the I too have concerns about Kyle. My concerns are different. They're not related to these metrics and everything that everybody wants to talk about. My concerns are and you made this point just a few moments ago and you're you're validating it for me is I don't ever question the the play designs, the scheme, what he's trying to do. I think he's a difference maker there. What I question is his ability to adapt to the game and make adjustments. And this goes into my further point. If you look around the league and you look at the Kyle Shanahan tree, right? The Kyle Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's, the Matt LaFleur's, the Mike McDaniel. I, I would argue that those four outside of maybe Andy Reed probably script the best first 15 to 30 plays that you see, right? Like they are just mad scientists in there. They understand what they're doing. They're geniuses. They're drumming it up. They're uber creative where I find all four of those individuals to lack is adjusting. I think McVeigh is probably the most seasoned of these four or the, is the best out of these four at doing this is just adapting to the game and, and making those adjustments. Like, dude, I look like what they play Sunday night or Monday night, Pittsburgh, Miami, Sunday night, Sunday night, bro. Those first two possessions by my, by Miami. I thought that game was going to be 40 to nothing. Same thing. Yo, so 40 to nothing. Same thing. When, when uh, the dolphins play the Bengals, when the, the first two possessions, exactly. I'm like, wow, bro. because 
here you are, uh, how, wherever you watch the games, I normally, you know, red zone, uh, obviously, uh, and clips on, you know, social media and what have you. But when you really watch just one game and pull your attention, I'm like, wow, how, how does Miami not score 100 points a game? Yeah. But all of a sudden, it just it, it, it plateaus and tapers out. Yeah, it's dude, because the, the whole theory behind a 15, the scripted 15, scripted 20, 30, whatever each coach does, and all these coaches do it is you're you're drawing up home run plays right like you're drawing up quick point plays you're drawing up madden-esque type plays they're not they're not intended to be with the flow of the game they are intended to set the flow of the game so when they're executed they look good they look pretty more often than not you're putting something on tape that that team has never even seen before that you're putting out there or some variation that you've been leading up to i think those four are elite at doing that where my hesitation and where I pull back from a Kyle a little bit is like, dude, I need to see you adopt and adapt to the game and what the game calls for. And that your original question, is he the guy? Yes. He's the fucking guy, dude. Yes. He's the guy because I point to me another guy right now that it would be right. I'd ask you the same question, dude. Like is Brandon Staley, the fucking guy for, for LA, you'd say no, right? Like, okay. So do I want him? No. Is Nathaniel Hackett, the guy for Denver? No. Do I want him? No. Right. Like there's just a handful of guys. Well, Nathaniel Hackett is the guy for, uh, if you're a Chargers fan, he's the guy for Denver. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, so let me ask you another question. I want to follow this up because, I am a huge Yankee fan, and I feel like this actually plays perfect to what you're currently going through. Condolen- um, condolences. Yeah, well, I, I, it's 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 for expected. 2023 as well. It's a, yeah, it's expected, man. So, <clears throat> on one breath, you can say uh, the manager of the New York Yankees, Boone, has always gotten them to you know winning seasons, always gotten them to the playoffs. There's that consistency. He's a winner, right? I don't give a shit about that, right? Because they should be getting to – they have an upper hand, um, the Yankees. They should be getting to the playoffs. So that does not make me feel better. So <clears throat> I'm going to put this on you now. So every now and then, you know, every every week I go food shopping, and when, when I come home, the groceries, open up the, the refrigerator, open up uh, and see what, what I have left over from the week before, and you got to throw it out, right? I look at the expiration days, making sure everything is still copacetic in there. When you're going through all your memories of the San Francisco 49ers, you open up that refrigerator of Niner memories. You take a look at Kyle Shanahan. What's the expiration date? Meaning, how much longer are you going to be in his corner? Now, you're talking to a longtime 49er fan who grew up in Meaning, the... I'm not saying you're not going to not fo- uh, follow the Niners. I'm just saying, yeah. you know what? He's got to go. When's yeah. that going to happen? If all results, you know, are still stay the same, you know, nine and eight seasons type uh, up and I think, down. I, I still think that I still think the expiration date's a couple years away. It, it's not after this season. It's definitely not after twenty twenty three. Here's the you thing: want to see dude. what he does with Lance, right? Yeah, I, I still need to see that. And and I, there's nothing that tells me that like. Kyle's going to make Lance elite, right? Like, I think it's like, I don't find him to be the quarterback whisperer, right? Like, but I do think Lance has every opportunity to excel 
in the offense and it suits his skill set. Um, and I think Kyle is creative enough to, to make it suit his skill set. Um, I, I mean, listen, Kyle's been creative enough to make it fit Jimmy's skill set. It just comes down to execution. Um, but I, I can't knock the guy until I think that I've seen what good quarterback play looks like underneath him. And mm-hmm. candidly, since he's been the ho- head coach, I haven't seen good quarterback play. Like I think, and I'm giving away some things from him part- a little bit. Isn't it part of being a good coach of realizing the strengths of your quarterback and putting him in places to succeed? Yeah. Realizing he, the limitations. Dude, he does. He does. If anything was apparent so far this season, specifically last Sunday, is like, listen, I'm not even saying I believe Trey Lance is plenty capable. I believe I know for a fact in my heart that he's an upgrade over who's under center right now. But the the proof is what you're seeing on the field right now is exactly why they gave up what they gave up to try to go get a guy and take a shot on it. Point blank, period. Point blank, period. I, I don't, I have zero faith that the, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo led team ever wins the Super Bowl unless everything else is going perfectly. And I think RG three said it perfect on Monday night during the broadcast yeah. where he was just like, everything has to be perfect. The defense has to play well, etc. Like running game, yeah. d- dude, the Mahomes, the Allens, you know, the Herberts, the 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 Brady's of the past, Rogers, like they didn't need perfection around them. They were good enough. They were good enough, right? To to get you over that hump. And just candidly, like number 10 is just not good enough. And and I'm not saying he's not good. He's just not good enough, you know. Like mm-hmm. he does the right things, has a mediocre game, doesn't turn the ball over as a game manager, your team makes the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. But like I mean, and I'll talk about it in the game, but to, to the question. Yes, Kyle Shanahan is the guy. Yes, there's an expiration date. There's an expiration date on all coaches. Um, but I I I don't know. I just find it to be like he's young enough, he's innovative enough, he's got enough on his resume just in this league, not even necessarily as a head coach, that his expiration date probably lasts a little bit longer than some other people. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And okay. and I look around like who else, right? Like, I don't even know if I see a young, like, I don't want anybody coming from college, right. Running this team right now. There's nobody that impresses me in that regard that I'm aware of. I don't think there's some superstar rock star <laughs> offensive coordinator. What right about the, now. Was it Dorsey out of bill uh, from the bills? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, Ken Dorsey's a 49er legend, bro. Hey, He's a legend out of the university of Miami. But if you're right. putting, you heard it here first, Ken, Ken Dorsey, future head coach of the Niners. Bro, but you know how easy he life is. is when you got Josh Allen as your quarterback, Stefan Diggs as your wide, you know, as your number one. Like, you don't say. Players play too, you know. Coaches coach, but players play. So, all right, all right let's get out. Um, Kyle is the guy, um, but stay tuned. And I don't think my tune changes because I'm not short sighted. Like, I'm not short sighted, right? Like, I just, again, mm-hmm. I look around. Tell me who else, right? Just tell me who else and and try to tell me that 23 other teams aren't going through the same problem right now, right? Like, it's just the way it is. Um, there are very few Andy Reeds, Bill Belichick's, Mike Tomlin's, John Harbaugh's in, in the NFL, right? Um, you know, like even let's, let's see what Brian Dable's got. Like, looks like the right guy, but let's see, right? Like halfway through the first year, see how that goes. All right. Lou, next topic. Monday night, we saw something that I don't know. I would I was not prepared for um, by any means, but 
we saw Mac Jones come back from his injury, even though Bailey Zappi was playing well, rightfully so. It was still Mac Jones team based on, hey, rookie first round pick had a pretty solid rookie year for all intents and purposes, um, but got banged up early this year on a struggling team. There, there, there's more. The problem is it's more significant than just Mac Jones or whoever's under center in New England. But we saw a, we saw a switch to Bailey Zappi during the game. And not only did we see the switch, I mean, you heard it from the fans, right? Like the difference in the excitement and like, we want this guy. I mean, chanting it and celebrating it when the change made. But we know Bill Belichick doesn't just do things to appease anybody other than himself. But in making that switch and now the carousel that you see, I, I guess the only question here to ask you, Lou, is did Bill Belichick jump the shark? All right, so... Uh, what a weird game. And like you said, we both had New England winning that game. And I got, he's starting to hear the chatter. You know, it started last year, and now it's getting a little louder that everyone's starting to see that Brady was the cause of all those, all those AFC East division championships, all those Super Bowls and what have you. All right, so it's just sticking, you know, from this year, though. First and foremost, to lose – to the Chicago Bears at home in the fashion they did was extremely shocking. All right, so I'm not saying that it was shocking that the Bear. It was shocking that the Bears did defeat the New England Patriots in New England. That it was shocking, but it was the manner that also made it ridiculously shocking. The Bears' offense, who we've chastised time in and time again on this show for being putrid, god-awful, uh, Name any other adjective, adverb, whatever you want to, you know, name the, to give the Bears a, a bad representation from an offensive standpoint. That's what that's what they are. But they ran for over 240 yards against a Bill Belichick defense. When does something like that happen? No matter where Bill Belichick goes, <clears throat> he brings that defense with him, and that's what's shocking. And even to compound it now, they're three and four, you know, this year. But to compound it. To play musical chairs and have a QB fiasco in the manner it did in the middle of a game, what was he thinking? What was he doing, to be honest with you? That's something you see from the colleges like Auburn and Florida, that they had these two quarterbacks. One was a transfer from Ohio State. or something. That is that type of bullshit you see from college uh, teams uh, because they're uncertain. They don't know who is going to be the hot hand. It's the uncertainty at the Q QB position. And what even befuddles me more, Weston, is he was going from a pocket passer in Mac Jones to a pocket passer in uh, Zappi, right? It wasn't like they had completely different skill sets. It wasn't like he was going to a mo mobile quarterback. So I, I don't understand what Belichick's doing. Not a lot of people do. But I'm starting, you know, me being the profession I am, I'm starting to see – this is where you start to see if you're doing an, like an analytical, like, you know, research on, on like a stock or whatever. This is where it's like, it's probably a good time to sell and get off this Bill Belichick in New England uh, train here, because I don't, I, I see it keep on going down, you know, that from last year until this year. Yeah. I, I'm perplexed. Right. Because think about like the investment made a first round pick, right. All good. I would say on paper, like he was a competitive, competent quarterback in his rookie year. 
just came back from injury, I usually just feel like this early in somebody's career, like you let them work through that game. You let them work through the struggle. It, even when he was having those struggles, it wasn't like the game was out of hand, right? Like it wasn't like they were down 28 points and like, let's just make a change and Zappy's coming in and mop up time, you know, like, yes, Zappy was an instant injection or lightning in a bottle for a short period of time. And then we saw how the rest of the game went for him as well. Um, he encountered difficulties and struggles. I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like it, it literally just doesn't make any sense. Lou, you talk about it a lot, right? You talked about it with Trey Lance and what was going on and keeping Jimmy on and these young guys got to protect their psyche and, blah, 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 and cater to their egos. Like, this was more a blatant jab at a player's ego than anything that was going on in San Francisco. I mean, like, you literally benched this dude in his first I, game I wonder back. if it was strictly for performance or something he didn't like or see, or was it maybe to send a message, like that old school 19, like 70s and 80s mentality, like, yeah. you know, to keep him in check. Hey, you know, just want to let you know you're not, you know, you're not your, you know, you're not, so hard to replace type of shit. And, and who knows what bill, right? Cause like you said, like whoever knows what he's doing. Um, and we do know he's an old school guy. So I wouldn't even put that past him. That, that might've been the context in which of like, Hey, we won't, we won't stand and tolerate for this, but it just, it just felt odd. It felt weird. And I think what makes this even weirder for me, like it's one thing if you're like, screw it, I got to go back to the hot hand that helped me win consecutive games who kept me in the game against, um, Green Bay on the road, right? Like, I got to go to that guy. Then usually you stay with that guy, right? And let that guy work yeah. through. But now you're already hearing, like, Max the starter this week. And then you hear the no quarterback controversy here. And I'm like, well, what I, I just saw tells me otherwise. Yeah, you know? I just don't feel like they have – they know what's going on there. And it all stemmed from this offseason for not naming offensive coordinator – they're trying to they're trying to fool people to think oh this is all the master plan but the master plan is to start off the year three and four and lose to the bears at home uh then you know what you know bravo because you executed beautifully because telling you right now it all started from this offseason and it's it now leaking its way into the season they don't know they don't have an identity and they're trying to you know they're trying to piece it together yeah they're trying to fake I mean, it till they make it this is this is where, and we talked about this beginning of the season, the loss of Josh McDaniels on the offensive side of the ball hurts. And he's another one of those guys we talked about. Great offensive coordinator, probably not a great head coach, right? As we're seeing. He'll be back in two years. Yeah, and and they'll be back to, like, where where they've been. But, yeah. like, the reality is, is, like, I'm still always perplexed by how even Matt Patricia is the quote unquote offensive coordinator when he was once upon a time, the defensive coordinator who got a head coaching job in Detroit because of his defensive prowess and is now back here as the offensive coordinator. Like it just, yeah. it just all feels weird. It all feels disjointed. And I, I think your sentiment was yes, Bill jumped the shark. Um, I'd agree with that. And I just think this is like, dude, in two weeks, we're going to see another swap. Like we just are like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and like you said, like people try to remind me this early when I was saying like, Hey, keep Jimmy on this roster as the 49ers, right? Like you can never have too many good players and what happens in case of injury and blah, 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 blah. And everybody wanted to be like, well, if you got two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. You got two quarterbacks. You got no quarterback. All right. Well, here you are people, right? Like new England fans, like you got two quarterbacks. So in my eyes, based on what you told me, you have no quarterback. 
and that's a problem. Both. I believe both, yeah. And that's a problem. So, all right. The last hot topic here, and we don't only have to spend 30 seconds on this, but I'm throwing it out because I'm throwing it out. Lou, why was Weston right four weeks ago when I came out on this show and told you something was broken in Tampa Bay? Go. Uh, there's only one answer for that. It's because obviously in your driveway there's a DeLorean. And you clairvoyant, went, baby. And, and you went to the future and you got that almanac, that sports betting almanac from Biff. And uh, you brought it back with you and you knew this was happening. That's the only that's the only uh, response. That's the only response I can logical response I can give to something like that. And for those who don't know, this is a back to the future reference. And I'm probably dating myself. Yes. Well, again, our listeners probably do know what Back to the Future actually is, so we're all good. But I like to take my victory laps, especially when I had no context. I had no uh, this is Kendrick bro. Lamar and be humble, bro. Come eh, on, just like it was just more of the. I'm not trying to be humble. Like this isn't even on like a humble brag. It was just like my eyes were telling me something, right? And so yeah, far, you, no, you just thought like a logical man. The guy, guys, having problems with his wife. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna mess up at work. So that's that's you just thought like a logical man, man. I mean, have we lived that life? <laughs> Do we know? Yeah, I get like a text at work, like, yo, you need to come home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your kid's shitting all over the house. Get home and handle this. You're in trouble. And you're like, oh, there goes that day. So silent or delete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't see it. You know, I, mean, I was in a meeting. I left my phone on my desk and I was in this all day meeting, yeah, i.e. Yeah. in the shitter all day playing brick breaker. Um, all right, cool. Let's roll out of hot topics. Lou, let's dive right into those hometown takes. Uh, your Chargers hosted the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, my 49ers hosted the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm sure we both want to skip this segment, um, but F it. Let's just go into our rants. What'd you see? The good, the bad, the ugly from that Chargers Seahawks game. I really was trying to uh, get you to cancel this episode because I really don't want to fucking do this right now. Um, no, I'm not going to do a hometown take. Uh, I'm not going to tell you good, the bad, or whatever. Uh, this is probably just going to be maybe a five to 10 minute rant of uh, the aha moment I've come to realize right now. Um, Brandon Staley is not the guy anymore. All right. Good coaches don't get blown out the frequency as Brandon Staley does. And I'll tell you right now, it comes from his lack of adjustments and his stubbornness from both sides of the ball. Um, where do we start? All right. Let's start with the offense. They have no identity. Right. Uh, looking at their running game, sometimes they run power, sometimes they run zone. They're just not comfortable. They can't. They can't run block because they don't know what type of identity they are from a you know running standpoint. They can't stretch the field. Everyone's chastising uh, Justin Herbert because he's not throwing the ball far like he has in his first two years. And I get it, right? So from a personal per- personnel standpoint, I get it. They are limited. They don't have that burner. Hence why I was drooling over the fact of them getting Olave or a fast wide receiver in the draft. So they don't have that burner or they don't have that yard after uh, a catch type of guy. But it is – so I get that they've, you know, they've also been banged up for, at the at the skill position, the wide receiver position. They lost their – one, two, three – I think their top five wide receivers at some point. 
Keenan Allen hasn't played since week one. Mike Williams now uh, <clears throat> is going to be out at least a month. Josh Palmer has missed two games. Uh, Guyton has been out the whole year. Uh, I mean, I can keep on going on and on. So when you haven't practiced squad guys uh, st- starting for you, you're not really going to see them be able to see, stretch the field, right? So I get it from a, from a personnel standpoint. That's going to be difficult, right? The, the lack of explosive plays. However, it's also the offensive coordinator now. I did not, I never got on Lombardi last year. I was fine with Lombardi last year, even though some Charger fans uh, were, were upset with him. He led a top four to five offense last year from every metric you can think of. But this year, I feel like his play calling's got extremely like same like you find you if you're a Madden player and you find that one play that you like, even though it doesn't work, but you keep on calling it because you just like it for some reason, that's Lombardi right now. He throws the same play over and over and over again to the point it's called like it's, it's, it's a bunch of stick routes. You know, you, you just go seven to ten yards, turn around. And let me tell you why that's an awful concept because you're having wide receivers stopping their progression, going down the field, turning around, stopping their feet, catching the ball, and then have to make someone miss. I just said they don't have that type of personnel. So this whole offense is disjointed and now let's i'm gonna be real with you herbert has regressed um you know somewhat i think it's troublesome troublesome uh to be frank because i feel like he should know this offense better now being that it's the second year is it his injury is it the what's going around him from his wide receivers being out as well or is he becoming the next carson wentz i don't think it's i'm not getting that dramatic i don't i still believe in herbert if you look for him, he's not making any mistakes really. But what's what's missing is the explosive explosive plays, and he's not even attempting to make explosive plays. So that's just the first part uh, that's completely lost with this with this team is the offense. And let's go to the defense. Their scheme isn't working. I get they want to run that too high safety look, and it's fine and all. But you do that when you have pass rushers, man. Brandon Staley was able to do that back in Chicago when he had his pass rushers. Brandon Staley was able to do that with the Rams when he had his pass rushers. Joey Bosa is not there. He has Khalil Mack and a bunch of other guys. Let me tell you right now, you need need to make an adjustment. You need – look how effective they were when they played the Broncos. I get the Broncos' offense is a dumpster fire, right? But they had some creative blitzes. They need to start doing that, abandoning his rigid philosophy of too high safety – and they need to protect the back end of that defense because guess what? They lost J.C. Jackson, who, by the way, was playing good in the Seattle game. He, he was locking down Metcalf, so he's returning back to form. So you can't have these cornerbacks now on the island right now because the pass rush is not getting there. So um, th- that's equally as frustrating, that the fact that he's so rigid, he will not make adjustments. We were just talking about Kyle Shanahan and his inability to make adjustments. Those that's when you see elite coaching when they can make adjustments and kind of not abandon what they were attempted to do, but make tweaks and changes. That is what you're supposed to do as a coach. They're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. It's literally the definition of, of insanity. All right. <clears throat> and when Staley was here, I think it's well documented. I was all, I was fine with Staley. We all know who I wanted. Someone I could relate to more Brian Dable. Uh, you know, guy in physical peak, peak physical uh, 
physique right there. And I was a big Dable fan. Uh, I'm not just saying that because of what he's doing now. I just thought the translation going from Josh Allen to Justin Herbert was a match made, you know, a match made in heaven. But I was nervous for Staley because he hasn't been in the league too long. And I was nervous who he was going to bring around him for support. And his his supporting cast is, has showed his ability, his inability to formulate relationships because his he has such a minimal experience in the NFL levels. He does not have good guys around him. He's he is seriously regressing as a coach. And I'm off the Staley bandwagon. I don't see progression. I see dramatic regression. Even his predecessors, Lynn, McCoy, they regress, but not to this extent. And I'm off the Staley bandwagon. Um that was my two cents. And that's all I can say. There's nothing good from this game. And they got beaten by an inferior team, in my opinion. A more physical, inferior team. Well, I'm going to use a Forrest Gump reference, but that's all I have to say about the war in Vietnam. Um, Let me ask you a question. How much of it do you think is actually a Herbert regression versus, I'll make a semi-excuse from a, a rib injury, right? Like, we talked about this. Like, that's not going away anytime soon. But more also the mindset and the mentality based on everything else that's going around him that he has to do more. And by more, I mean he has to play perfect, which might minimize him taking shots down the field or things of that nature because he feels like he not only has to manage the game, he has to win the game. It has to be perf- it has to be perfection in order for these Chargers to go. And do you think that is contributing to his, quote-unquote, regression this year? And by regression, it's 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 a, it's a couple things so first and foremost um i don't think it's the rib injury anymore uh, it's not like you're he's just not even attempting to throw the ball downfield right one of the knocks on herbert coming out of college was he was extremely robotic and mechanical meaning like you look at him he doesn't have that mahomes he doesn't have that Allen gunslinger mentality. His his thought process, and you just tell from the way he talks and the way he plays, I have to make sure I don't make the I have to make the right play, the correct play. He's never gonna have he's never gonna be that Brett Favre. Ah, F it, just chuck it down. Who's down there? I'd like to make a play. That's not him. In his thought process, all right, if this guy's playing too high, I have to take what's given to me, and he will never test it because I don't want to make a negative play. So I, I just think it's 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 not the rib injury whatsoever. I think it's his how he plays the game and what he has dealt around him. Because um, he is still playing at an elite level from the regards where they're one of the least sacked. He's one of the least sacked quarterbacks out there. And you just look at him. His pocket awareness is fantastic and everything like that. But he doesn't have that gunslinger mentality where he really challenges the defense. And it could be from – because of the skill positions, players around have seriously regressed as well. So, yeah. um, I, You mentioned something about, like, uh, defense coordinator needing to be a little bit more creative, um, a little bit more in the bag. And you mentioned, you know, some design blitzes, et cetera. I'd even take it a step further that – they need to get some run blitzes, right? Not just like Pat, like they just need to be pressuring the backfield, whether the intention is to pressure the quarterback or if it's to sustain some tackles for a loss. 
in the running game and take some chances. I mean, dude, Seattle ran for 213 yards. Yeah, let, me, answer, tell, you let know? me tell you something, man. Like, I don't understand. Like, how are you a defensive coordinator and you and you come to the team and your def- and you made the defense awful? Like even like even more so. Look at what's going on in Chicago. All right, Eberflus, right? Defense. Yep. He's a defensive, you know, minded uh, head coach because that's where he came from with the Colts. But guess what? Their defense, even though they don't, they're they're avoiding talent, meaning they don't have superstars. They have a bunch of solid guys. We've said this before. There's still they're a pretty tough, you know, a, 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 a formidable uh, opposition right there. They don't have half of the amount of talent as, as the Chargers do. So. I'm sorry. I think Staley is nothing more lately than just a good soundbite, and he's just trying to sound intelligent. I'm done with him. And you're you might think I'm overreacting. No, because I've seen this movie twice already. Just like what I was talking about with you know Aaron Boone and the New York Yankees. I'm overreacting after heading get to the World Series. No, because I've seen that seven years in a row right now. So I've seen this with the past regimes. And if you really want to put the onus on the GM has to get fired because guess what? This is his third time hiring a losing coach. Can't identify a winner. Can't identify. And they're, they're on the verge of pretty much wasting away Justin Herbert on a rookie contract. Yeah. Um, I think the other item of note here is you mentioned the JC Jackson injury, obviously out for the year. Um, my concern around that was not like, as we talked about it, like he had struggles when he got back into the lineup, knocking off the dust, you know, rust, whatever, whatever it is. Right. Um, but we both think very highly of JC Jackson's skill set um, and how excited you were when they went and got him for what they got him for, et cetera. I don't think that's like a short term hurt. I think that's if this team turns the corner, they're in playoff contention. That hurts when you face those more high-powered offenses. Playoffs? What the yeah. fuck are you talking about? Play- I'm not even trying to be Jim Mora here at all. Playoffs? Yeah. At this at this rate, I I looking at the record and how they've been playing. I don't. I mean, how do you? I, I can't even think of playoffs. I, I'm just hoping. I'm thinking maybe they beat the Colts and there's one other team. I think. Oh, the Broncos again, especially if the Broncos do a fire sale. But like. I think they have another nine and eight season. Guess what? They they missed the play. I don't think they make the playoffs this year. I mean, dude, let, I mean, they're essentially uh, plus seven. or minus seven or eight seed, right? You know what I mean? Like they, seven they or eight seven seed, but come yeah. on, man, the the, the 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 wheels have fallen off real quick, especially with the injuries they've had, man. Yeah. I mean, they just lost Mike Williams out for a month, and they lost J.C. Jackson out for the year. And you think during this trade deadline, you think they're going to try to get a wide receiver even fall. No, no, they're not going to. And if they do get a wide receiver, it's going to be one of those guys that make you go, who? Yeah. Trent Sherfield. So exactly. It's exactly. You hear all these other teams during the trade deadline out for wide receivers. You don't hear anything with the chargers. They are literally just going to run it back with Keenan Allen and his bum hammy and Joshua Palmer, who's, Perhaps one of the most hyped, overhyped players, uh, you know, coming into the season uh, for the Chargers. Yeah, and guess what? If one of those go down, you're thrown to DeAndre Carter, who's just a special teams guy, and you're thrown to a bunch of uh, uh, practice squad guys, Moore and Michael Bandy. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. They are they are going to risk it again, and the, it's it's just a shame because we're going to talk about this probably a little later. Look what the Eagles just did. There's Eagles are six and zero, right? First in their division. 
What are they going to do? They, 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 they put their foot on the pedal even more so, right? Yep. Just like Johnny and Karate Kid, they, they, they go for the leg, and they just traded. They just traded. They got the Bears to trade Robert Quinn to them for a fourth-round pick and made the Bears pay all Quinn's salary. That's what good teams do. You don't just sit on your laurels and be like, oh, we're, you know, we're first in division. Everything's going to go fine. No, you keep on going. And guess what? The Chargers, they have such a complacent mentality, always have and always will, and that's why they wasted Rivers' career. And guess what? That They're on the, they're on the precipice of doing the same thing with Justin Herbert. Put him in a body bag, Johnny. That's bully ball. What the Eagles did, by the way, <laughs> to go like I don't know if fourth rounder for Robert Quinn. No, I hear, I, I, I've read some things about Kamara too. So like, no, Yo, you imagine you, putting Alvin Kamara in that offense right now? My God, that'd be one of the most versatile offense out there. My God. All right. So let's I don't go from. Talk about, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's. You go. know what? I, I'm 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 so grateful that they're on a buy this week, right? Because I can finally enjoy a Sunday. And guess what? I'm so happy they're on a bye this week because next week my hometown take is like, hey, at least they didn't lose on their friggin' bye. Well, maybe because they didn't they're not gonna get anyone for the, before the trade deadline. But you know no. what? I I I've never been happier that they're not, not not to see a Chargers game. I get it, dude. I get it. I'm looking forward to the bye as well. This so is let's... what happens, Weston. You gave me hope this offseason. I got this is what happened when you give me hope. I knew it was gonna bite me in the ass. Never again. I'm going back to the miserable piece of shit I always was when it comes to rooting for this team. It'll make for entertaining radio. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, I get hope it, man. Hope will kill you. Hope will kill you, man. Oh, hope is hope is never a strategy. I say it in my line of work every day. Um, that being said, let's go from one hellhole to another. Uh, we'll just travel tra- travel further up the coast. 49ers um, hosted the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, for 49er fans who might be expecting me to – Blow my top, lose my shit, get spicy, whatever cool word, you know, Gen Z utilizes in this day and age. Uh, you're not going to see that. In fact, Lou, we picked this game last week and I picked the Chiefs to win. But what did I say was important to me? I said I wanted to see I have no disillusions based on injuries, people coming back, like knocking rust off. I do believe Kansas City to be a superior team at this juncture in the season. It I. I just wanted to see competitive football with a Super Bowl contender. That's what I wanted to see. And I got some of that, right? Like, it was a competitive game through the first two and a half, maybe three quarters. I mean, it was a one-point game at halftime. But the thing that just stands out to me week over week over week with this team, even in the wins, is just the execution, right? Like, I think the most obvious, whether it's drop passes, Aaron throws, just Nick Bosa lining up on consecutive plays in the neutral zone and getting called that's for a, it on consecutive that's a, plays. That's a, that's a Bosa thing, man. Both Bosa brothers do It that. is. Um, I, you know, I could go deeper into that, but that's that's an execution thing. That's like a mental thing. Um, drop passes, that's a mental thing. Uh, you know, like – Jimmy just not getting through his progression is a mental thing, right? Like Jimmy's great when the first read is open, right? Like he gets that ball out fast, gets it right to him. Plays happen as long as he can put the money, the ball on the money, um, which happens here or there. But the most obvious, there are three main things that I think of when I think of execution in this particular game. The pick right before half, right? So you punt the ball. You force the special teams. um, You cause a turnover on special teams. You get the ball inside their 20-yard line. 
you know, under two minutes to go um, in the first half. And for with two open wide receivers, mind you, you force a throw, which just takes points all off, right? Like in those instances, in those instances, like a touchdown's nice, but like you take the you 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 can't walk out of that scenario with less than three points in that tight of a game, and you have an opportunity to go up at halftime. But that's that's the risk reward with Jimmy, right? Like those those things happen. The other two are on long third downs. I think one was late third quarter, one was early fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, while the the game was still relatively tight, one was like a third and fifteen, which is just eerily similar to Super Bowl, and goes for like forty one yards to Valdez Scantling, right? Another one where they hit Juju for like another twenty something on like third and eight or third and nine or something like that. Where both of those, like, if you get off the field, and it wasn't just like, hey, dude, great play. Right. Like great play. Wide receiver made a catch. Mahomes made a throw. Like it was just flat out busted assignments. Like somebody fell asleep at the wheel um, on the defensive side of the ball. And that I struggle with. Uh, you got to give credit where credit's due. Andy Reid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Andy, it, then, listen, Andy Reid's the best coach in football right now. Right now, he's the best coach in football. Yeah. Um, and I know B. is the offense coordinator. No, he's not. No, right. No. This is why he hasn't been hired as a head coach coach among some other things but like everybody knows it's Andy Reid's show right like um Andy's he's a he's a genius um love everything uh, about him but those that's what I think of when I think of like execution the other thing that plagues me about this game and last week is statistically this was the number one defense in the NFL prior to the last two weeks and they certainly have not looked like that right they got dog walked by the Atlanta Falcons who played bully ball on them. And then this week they got molly whopped in a quarter, right? Like in a quarter. I'm loving these adjectives. Right. And in the, in a quarter, this game got out of hand. I do think the score is misleading as to what the rest of the game represented, but this is what good teams can do. When you give them an open gate, they're going to walk, they're going to run right through it. Um, So that, that to me is concerning. And I now have the same concern about D'Amico Ryan's that I have about Kyle Shanahan is like, how do you adjust? How do you adapt? And why I didn't see that is because I saw McCall Hardman basically score three touchdowns on the exact same play three times, right? Like, or some variation of it. Yeah. Like, have we not learned so anything I- in the NFL where a dude is in motion? It's going to be on the goal line. It's going to be a jet sweep, or they're going to snap it as soon as he hits the tight end's ass, and they're going to hit him in the flat. It's Clear as day. It happens every time. I'd rather you get caught over pursuing that and then do a shuttle pass back to the tight end or to the running back and they walk up the middle because you chased it. But, like, you can't not follow that dude in motion. Like, you can't. Three times, Lou. Three times. So, I think what's concerning is, is you know, for me would be that the Chiefs, top three team in the NFL, right? I get it. But they haven't been the Chiefs of the explosive Chiefs as they have from years past, obviously with the departure of Tyreek Hill. And the fact they kind of looked like the Chiefs of old against your top defense. I thought you guys would be able to somewhat put a little shell over them because look, the, the Chiefs, it's been a little struggle. From an offensive standpoint, a little struggle. When I mean that, when I'm comparing, not comparing them to any other teams in the NFL, I'm comparing them to themselves in years past, right? 
That's what I'm saying. So they're they're, they're a little more mortal. They're, uh, they're a little more vulnerable because of the, the departure of Tyreek Hill. And the fact that you guys made him look like the Chiefs of past, that's concerning. And the only way I actually thought you guys were winning that game is you guys had to play perfect. Because yeah. of, and, if you did, played far from Just it. because of, from the stats I've said before, you know, uh, from the Hot Topic take, it's going to be – you guys can't win a, win a gunfight with them. And, and, Lou, why can't you win a gunfight with them? Because you don't have the quarterback to match. Yeah. So it comes down to, dude. It's yeah. So it's interesting, also too, hearing what like I'm not sure if it was Kittle or Ayuk saying also that like we don't understand why we we're not doing better. We have ball players, like we have like talented. We have he's alluding like the talent they have on offense. They should be better. Yeah, and I'd agree. And that's a little interesting coming out. And I don't know who he's questioning here. Uh, you can make your theories. It's, is it Jimmy? Is it is it Kyle? Uh, is it other is it other guys? But I, but that's that's interesting. Uh, you know, interesting uh, soundbite to hear from uh, Kittle. Yeah, I, and and Ayuk, Kittle, Ayuk, they said the same thing, and they're not wrong. And Kyle's not protected from blame in some capacity to this. But Lou, you and I have talked at nauseum at times where you see the play. You see what's called. You see the open receivers running down the field. But if the person can't get them the ball, like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. You know, like, the, the scheme is there. The design is open. Can you, can you, can you hit the guy? Can you make yeah. the throw? Can you at least try to make the throw? What, like, dude, there's this play that sticks out to me. And there's two plays that stick out to me in this game that tell me everything that we've been saying for the last two years around Jimmy Garoppolo. And again, not a Nick. I'm not trying to knock Jimmy. I'm just trying to say what, like, what my eyes tell me. There's one where, dude, he tries to step like all he has to do is take one step up and he has all the time in the world. And you got Kittle and Wilson running wide open in the middle of the field, right? Like wide open in the middle of the field. And he like runs up between the tackles and runs right into a sack, like literally runs in right into a sack, like pocket awareness. The other one's the safety. Like, listen, Trent Williams did not have his best game. I'll be the first to come out and say this, right? Like, he didn't. Knocking the rust off. I think that ankle's still bothering him, but I think he felt compelled based on the competition. Wanted to be out there. Commend him for that. But, Jimmy, what are you doing running in the end zone outside of the tackle? Like, you have any shot of outrunning a defensive end in the NFL. Yeah. Like, that's just pocket awareness, dude. That's just, like – awareness of like who you are and what your skill set is and like why are you trying to do things that you know you're not capable of and like can you can you fault Kyle Shanahan for that like you can't so but they're right on paper based on who they have they should be a lot better so let's get guys, into a little I do want to ask you uh, I do want to ask you something real quick uh and let's not make this a whole Niners show here so ready mm-hmm. we, we didn't talk about this yet the elephant in the room Trading for Christian McCaffrey. Did you like the did did you like the trade and why was it a bad move? <laughs> well, this this leads me into the good because my first point here is the the CMC hype train um, has arrived. You in can't San like Francisco. that trade. You can't. No, like no, no, no. Trade. So let me let me be let me be real with you, right? Like let me be uh, real. You trade. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I I. I do not like what was given up for a devalued position. I don't. I don't, right? Like, that's a lot to give up. 
what I disagree with is any context around this is a rental, right? No, for for what you gave up for is for a rental. No, I like, hey, listen, if you were going to give up what you gave up, like go get me another edge rusher. Go get me a quarterback, right? Like go get me something <laughs> that's why, that's why that this impacts was- me. And what, why I'm even more perplexed by is forget what you gave up. But this year you spent a third round pick on a running back. The year before you spent a third round pick on a running back. So you now essentially have like five plus picks tied up in a running Lester, back. You know why they did go. this. You know why they did this. You know why they did this. Tell me why. They, they did this. The Niners traded for Christian McCaffrey because there was that chatter that the Rams were looking into get Christian McCaffrey. And the Niners are like, no, no, we're not losing out to the, the Rams once again on a player. That's it. We're going all in. I'm not saying there wasn't interest there, but I really felt like that helped propel them be more aggressive, knowing that it's either we're facing McCaffrey, you know, twice a year, or we're going to have McCaffrey. Yeah. And, and I, th- in my opinion, I think it was it was an awful move for you guys, not because of the player. Love the player. You're, you're trading that much assets for a guy for a position, like you said, devalued. And also for a guy who can't stay on the field over two plus years now. Yep. Now so, you, you were one of the biggest proponents talking about Derrick Henry chinking the armor, yep. hurt the first time. Man, you want to talk about injury history? I mean, you got to look at McCaffrey yeah. and be concerned, and especially the way that Shanahan goes through running backs. Yeah. So, so what I think is different here, and okay, so. Let me give you the 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 fan side of this from my perspective, right? The fan in me, like I you said, I love you the player. Exci- you want also, it's exciting. Doing something is better than doing nothing. And yes. you know what excites me more about it it's is trying. what you just said. Is well, shit. If Christian McCaffrey is going to be in the NFC West, I damn sure him rather be on my team yeah. than have to face him and go through that. That's part of the strategy. That's part of the thing, right? Like is. How do I keep them out of my division? Oh, I know. I put them on my team. But the 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 thing that intrigues me, and I think you got a glimpse and a sample size of this in watching the game, specifically the first drive, right? Like, God, he looks effective in that offense. God, he can do nice things in this no, offense. He's gonna be good. He's gonna and be the good, thing that how many games is he gonna play for you guys? Well, that so that's where I think. Time will tell, but I what I, I feel a little bit more confident in him is like I don't I don't foresee a scenario, especially when Elijah Mitchell gets back, where this is not Carolina, where McCaffrey's gonna take ninety five percent of the offensive snaps. He it's just not, right? And I think Kyle looks at it and says, <coughs> and I mentioned this to you when we were exchanging some texts with some other uh 49er people, just being like, This is positionless football now. Like, this is just the mad scientist. Like, what do you do when you're a defense? And, like, I'm in the shotgun, and I got Christian McCaffrey standing to the left of my quarterback, and I got Debo Samuel to the right. And what do you do when I, like, motion Christian McCaffrey out? And you normally, if I was to motion Kyle Juszczyk out, you'd be like, oh, this is this is a sweep to or a toss to Debo. Now, is it? Could be a quick slant or a quick out to Christian McCaffrey in the slot, who's arguably a better wide receiver than most wide receivers in the NFL. So there is, I'd be a complete liar. And was I excited about like what we gave up and for the position and is injury history? No, but there's a part of me that can't help, but be excited about like, 
course. What you can do, like we talk about playmakers. We talk about yak guys. That's what this offense is built on, right? Like we talk about Debo Samuel being one of the best offensive weapons in the NFL. Like Christian McCaffrey is in that same sentence, yeah. right? Like he's in that same sentence. And now you have them both on the same field. Like you can get creative. And like in that short little sample size, what I hated about this game is 49er fans being like, where's McCaffrey at the end of the game? It's like, dude, he's at the playbook for 36 hours. Yeah. If this is anybody other than Christian McCaffrey, he doesn't even suit up mm-hmm. for this game, right? Like small sample size. And what do running backs need to do in the NFL? They need to pass pro. Yeah. And if you don't know the offensive, if you don't know the playbook, you don't know the pass pro this week, yeah. look out. You're going to see a ton of Christian McCaffrey this week against the Rams. A yeah. ton of them. Cause he's got more time to digest real quick. Um, the, the, the final good news for me, um, is really just like, Hey, George Kittle had a solid showing on national tight ends day. Shout out to national tight ends day last week. I thought it was great that it was Kittle versus Kelsey and they had Greg Olson doing the game because they talked so much about mm-hmm. like national tight ends day. Um, but when all said and done and you really boil it down, you're a game out in your division, a winnable, winnable division against your division rival, and a formidable opponent this week. You go win, you go take care of business, you're right back in the equation. Yeah. Simple. So I'm not losing my I'm not losing my cool, but the 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 the, the problems that have plagued us all season continue to plague us and they reared their head in this game. Mm-hmm. That's what it boils down to. So let's get the hell out of the, the dodge here. Cause we've been freaking out this whole time. So yeah. let's continue the trend, Lou. What in God's name are you freaking out about? I gotta lie to you. I only have one freaking out. Uh I have top. two. I got two. No, it's, uh, okay. it's basically one. Okay, I have two because I've already used mine on the Chargers uh, and the Patriots, right? Those are my t- talk products. But let's go for the good. Seattle Seahawks, sole position in the fir- first place in the NFC West, and they really seem to hit it out of the park with their rookie draft class. Charles Cross and Abraham uh, Lucas have really solidified the offensive line. Tariq Woolen, rookie cornerback, uh, he is tied in first in the NFL with interceptions with four. Uh, and also, you see what Kenneth Walker just did to the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, from his from a rushing standpoint. And oh yeah, they have Denver's first round pick in, in next year as well, and that's a projected top seven pick in the NFL. And you have to give them some credit because they got destroyed for letting Russell Wilson go for Geno Smith. Every, they were the laughing stock in the offseason. And guess what? They did a great job of, again, Geno Smith comfortable and acclimated with an offense that really fits his skill set, and they built around him and kind of shocked. I'm not going to lie. So if you're if you're part of that 12, I know it's painful for you, Weston. Like, ah, shit, I thought we, you know, we were going to get rid of, you know, we were only going to be down to two other teams in the NFC West. I don't know, man. I mean, they, they're well coached. They're young. They're hungry, and we'll see. With a running game, right? Yeah. This Kenneth Walker kid's the truth. I knew it was a we matter of time. Yeah, even, we all knew that. Even yeah. if Rashad Penny was healthy, this was only a matter yeah. of time that this was going to happen. It's funny because I, I I did try to – usually I'm very negative in these, and I tried to have something positive. And my positivity was around, like, if I'm in Geno Smith's entourage, I'm pretty pumped up right now because I'm sitting first in the division. Now I'm probably getting paid for meals out at restaurants in, in the Seattle-Tacoma area. Um People are taking care of me. I'm, I'm, I'm a recognizable name now because I'm winning football games. But, like, dude, I hate the 12. You know that. But a lot of that has to do with Russell Wilson and why you now just hate the Denver Broncos because Russell Wilson's there. You understand what he does to, like, your psyche as a fan and how much mm-hmm. it just makes you, like, 
but I've always been a Pete Carroll fan. Always, bro. He was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers last time they won the Super Bowl, right? Like, I've always had an infatuation with Pete Carroll, um, except when they were beating us. But, like, yeah, like, kudos to to the Seahawks right now. Like, finding ways to win. That's what good football teams do. Well-coached football teams do. You find way to find ways to win games, and they're you finding ways say. to win games, and they're doing it differently. Um, I feel like I'm being redundant, but my freaking out, is negative and it's around the Indianapolis Colts again. And I know you might sit there and be like, Hey, we're a game out. We're three, three and one, blah, blah, blah. But it's much bigger than that to me. Like I, I don't Luke, keep me honest here, but transitioning and making that call right now that Sam Ellinger is the starting quarterback go forward. To me, that just feels like we're, we're thrown in the towel. Mm-hmm. Like what about Sam Ellinger? says that he gives us a better chance to win than even a struggling Matt Ryan. Like what? Can I ask like, your question, Wilson? What tells Can I ask me your that? Question? Yeah. Have you watched much Colts game? Yeah, because I have Matt Ryan. I, t- I was telling you about that league in the not, not just the not just the stats. Have you watched him play? I mean, I yes, because it's been awful. It's been awful. It's it, it's, it's been awful. It's, so I if it's been awful, what's the chances are that Sam Ellinger is worse than awful? 50-50, right? Yeah. He, 70, he, 70-30 that he's uh, worse than awful. I don't know. I mean, it's been awful watching Matt Ryan play. It but. has. But if there's somebody that, like, Matt Ryan, at least in me, inspires confidence in the sense of, like, former league MVP, mm-hmm. has played in a Super Bowl, has yeah. been consistently a top 10 quarterback in the NFL for his entire career. This is the roughest patch I've ever seen from Matt Ryan, right? Would you not? agree like something to me feel like he's he done inspi- he's cooked yeah but he inspires me enough to say that like if anybody can get over that hump we can like listen their number one offensive threat jonathan taylor has barely played this year right yeah. like hey you get a little bit of running game yeah but you know? when he has played it's still even in the beginning tell me matt ryan matt ryan is is done yeah it's just so hard to find that that like that they're ab- they're about to be in purgatory yeah, for they're definitely going to be quarterback purgatory, man. Yeah, like, but again, if I'm the fans, right, and I invested in this guy, Matt Ryan, who was supposed to be the difference, right, was supposed to be better than Carson Wentz, was supposed to be yeah. an upgrade over a Philip Rivers when we brought him in, supposed to be those things to get us over the hump on a a playoff contender at least, and they're taking that step back. And now just being like, "Hey, we're all, we're over this. We're going to Sam Ellinger." Like, I'm sorry, like Colts fans. To me, how do you get excited says, about that? How do you, you get can't. excited about that? That's mailing it in. That's like yeah. literally like how I would define tanking. Like yeah. that's literally how I define it. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. like, listen, has Matt Ryan been worse than Russell Wilson? Yeah. And let me tell you why. Turnovers, man. He's had way more turnovers okay. from, from fumbling. Yeah, the turnovers will kill you. It will. But can has, we can we argue time, that Russell Wilson's think, in that same t- bracket? I, I, th- I think at times they, they would just want Matt Ryan to go three and out. <laughs> Listen, I there's sometimes I want Jimmy to go three and out, right? Like exactly. Punt it, pin him back. Let's play the field position game. But like I would argue that Russell Wilson has not been exponentially better, right? Like through yeah. seven games or six that they played because they had the bye yeah, last week, but different. But yeah, but like you ain't mailing it in on Russell, right? Like, and oh, you can't. You have a new coach there, and uh, 
Well, I don't know how long he's going to last. I mean, Frank, Frank Reich not on the, like, I'd argue that his tenure lasts as long as his Matt Ryan experiment. Come home, Frank Reich. Come home. Yeah, I know. coordinator to the, for the Chargers. Come on. That's what I'm saying. Like, but not your head coach, right? No. So this goes back to the Kyle thing, yeah. right? Like, you look around like, not, hey, I'll take you as an OC, but I'm not taking you as a head coach. Exactly. Different. different so thing. I got another freaking out. <clears throat> All right. This one's just, uh, I, I expanded my scope. If I'm NFL fans in general, I'm freaking out. There's been a lot of bad football play. Like I said before, there's only three good teams. We all know who they are, the Bills, the Eagles, and the Chiefs, right? Outside of that, the rest are just mediocre squads. I don't care who you are. I don't. Are you care downplaying the performance yeah, the Giants, of the New York the football Giants? Cut the shit. Cut the shit, all right? Cut the shit, all right? It's bad football. I don't care what you say. What you say. And I kind of blame last year for this. Last year we were spoiled. How fantastic of a season was last year? All the all the primetime games were insane. All the playoffs. Think about the playoffs. You had the Raiders, Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Chiefs, Rams, Bucks, the Bengals, Rams. Those games were insane. And now look at this year's primetime games. Yeah. Colts, Broncos, Snooze Fest. Commanders, Bears, Snooze Fest. Titans, Bills, blowout. Vikings, Eagles, blowout. Broncos, Chargers, snooze fest. Football is, I, I, it's like, it's like that drug that it's always going to make you feel good, but doesn't hit you as hard as it used to. Yeah, you know, you know, you're lo- it makes you more burnt than happy laughing. And if you don't know what I'm alluding to, you know what I'm alluding to. Yeah. So, but I'm just saying in general, football has been bad this year. The play has been bad, Dude, and I it could think- also stem from these iconic players in Brady and and Aaron Rodgers playing like straight up dog shit yeah that definitely brings down the league and the watchability i just i can't shake the commentary by al michaels and kirk herbstreet during that um broncos colts thursday night game like i mean they were just basically being like this is awful i can't believe we're here right now calling this game i'm gonna be real i'm gonna be real with you i only watched the first half so i I couldn't i couldn't couldn't dude couldn't watch it couldn't do it so funny story. I watched a little you bit. Know, of you know what? I, you, you know what I did after the first half. I, I texted my wife. I'm like, "Yo, come come back in the room." I go, "Let's watch some Sopranos." Yeah, I watched, I watched Sopranos over the second half of the Colts Broncos game. Dude, so funny because like, I, I I remember just being spent from work that day, and I'm like, I don't really want to watch this game. These are two like not great teams. Watched a little bit on the couch. Was getting tired. I was like, "Oh, I'll go lay lay in bed." And but in in our bedroom, like I only have a smart TV, so I don't have any like so I can only stream and do things like I don't have like cable. Um, so I was like, oh, as I'm laying in bed right now, I'm just going to pop back on this game. Ended up watching the entire game and my wife coming up and she's like, why are you still awake? And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm mad about it because <laughs> I just watched awful football. And now I can't go to sleep because my mind was like, what did I just watch? And how bad was this? And nobody deserved to win this football game. Like it was infuriating. And then even the following week was not a great game. So that the worst. And then, so the week after that, like, again, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, like literally joking, like, hope this week is better. You know, like. You know what Amazon spoiler, spent spoiler, to get Thursday night games? And spoiler, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And I'm not even excited about tomorrow night's game. Um, we won't. We'll pick those in just a moment. Um, but I agree, dude. I just think the NFL, the product is lacking this year. Um, now, what, what does make it a little bit more exciting 
is there's just a lot of teams in play. Like usually by week seven, week eight, you already like, well, here are the seven teams that don't have a shot. Like even two win teams right now, based on how people are playing, you have a shot. But man, it's been hard to watch. I mean, dude, statistically, the 49ers were two and five through week seven last year and played in the NFC championship. Right. Mm -hmm. So statistically speaking, there's a lot of teams who are still in contention for this thing. And so we're going to have to watch these teams when they make the playoffs. And guess what? It's going to be equally as bad football. Watch, watch. If the Giants or Jets make the playoff, I know their fan base is going to be excited. But if I'm being a completely objective fan, I don't mind the Giants at all. I don't like the Jets, so I could be a little hater with the Jets. But I'm not going to be excited to watch, you know, the Giants, Bucks, if they, you know, for, for a for a, uh, a playoff game or Jets, Titans. You kidding me? No. I mean, I will if the Giants can somehow, some way, not necessarily win the division, but find a way to get a home game in the playoffs because I'll be at it because I yeah. my family's got season tickets, so at least it'll be exciting that way. Um, all right, cool. Lou, next week, this week. We start tomorrow night, but if you were looking at the schedule, what intrigues you and what are you watching for? All right, so this week what I'm watching for, it's actually not the schedule so much because I really don't like a, too much too much that's on the schedule. For me, it's the trade deadline. Uh, I'm looking at the Packers, Giants, Ravens, Chiefs. Uh, I, I know fans of them are going to be intently uh, refreshing their Twitter feeds to see if they land like a player of significance, especially from a wide receiver standpoint. But for me, it's definitely uh, the trade deadline uh, because looking at the the matchups on, on, on that's slated to play this week, I'm not really uh, not really intrigued by any, any of those. So I'm going to say because it's bad football, I'm going I'm going to say the trade deadline. Yeah, I, what I do know about this is like a lot of these. If like when we go into the pick'em section of of the schedule, oh, like, we're gonna be awful. Yeah, we're gonna all the obvious. Like, there's so many obvious teams that are gonna win, and they're they're all gonna lose, right? Like, yeah. it's just the way that it's gonna go. Um, I did stick to a game, um, so I am intrigued by the outside the low hanging fruit of my own team and who they play. Cause that always makes for good football. In my opinion, uh, the Packers bills game. And for me, this is not Why? about, the, this is not about the winner. This is just how hard are the Packers going to fall? Right? Like that'd be three consecutive losses, right? Like when was the last time Aaron Rodgers and the Packers lost three consecutive games? Matt floor has the floor is already eclipsed. This is the most losses he's ever had in the season, and we're seven weeks into the season, you know? And, yeah. like, how bad are the wheels going to come off? Now, this will be – hey, listen, you're going to have Mike Tirico. You're going to have Collinsworth talking about Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen. But in reality, right now, these teams don't belong on the same field yeah. as one another. Um, but I do have some intrigue there. I, I mean, I, too, am watching the – the, the trade deadline because there's a couple players that I, I, I there's a couple teams that I think are sellers um, and there's a couple interesting players that I think will be have the potential to be on the move if the offer's right and I'm more con- like what I don't want to see is more what Philly did right the rich getting richer that I don't is- want to be seeing that but this is the time of year that that happens right yeah. like this is when you make that play that's yeah. it though man I don't have Anything else that captivates me outside I'll of my own right. team? I'll, I'll give one more. The battle of the overachievers, Giants, FC Hawks. Uh, let's see whose fairy tale comes crashing and burning this weekend. 
Um, both teams, it should be interesting. Um, like I said, they're both overachieving, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. But they're they're playing way beyond their expectations. Um, I think they're both going to try to run the ball heavy, which is going to make this game um, interesting. Sorry, I just uh, fell asleep. No, you're good. But I do think it's going to be a battle of like, yeah, who makes the bigger mistake, Geno Smith or Daniel Jones? Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I think it's going to come down to. All right, so not a lot to be looking forward to, right? Uh, when's Halloween come? Uh, for the kiddos. So let's get into let's run through the schedule, Lou. Let's pick our, our winners, losers, and then we'll we'll get out of here after some some quick fantasy advice. Okay. But in week seven, uh, Lou, you were nine and five. I was eight and six. So you pick up another game. Caveat here. The lone difference in the games that we picked were you took the Jets over the Broncos. I took the Broncos over the Jets. We pick on Wednesday night. So Russell Wilson not playing. You know, you got to remember his Wolverine blood, right? Like that was the talk going into like Friday. Had I known Russell Wilson was not playing, it was Brett Rippon. I probably would have gone Broncos, but we we what's, lie in the bed that we make for ourselves. What, what, what's our what's our uh, records for this year? So for the year, you're four up. You're uh, sixty three and forty five, and I'm fifty nine and forty nine. You are what your record says you are. So I'm ten all games. Right. Above, I'm ten games above five hundred. And take you're in last place. Let's do this. <laughs> but this is what screws me every time is because like I could be a game behind you in the standings, and it's like for me, it's like desperation mode. I got to take a make a pick that I wouldn't ordinarily make <laughs> just to try to catch up and hope I'm right. And I try. But, I think last week I tried to like uh, switch it up on you, and then you came, and when I picked the games first, you're like, "That's what I was going with." I too, know. So. I know. Um, Jack, I do like Jack. I do like when you pick first because then I can pivot off of that. Yeah, of course, <laughs> but <laughs> you know how it goes. Um, all right, cool. So starting tomorrow night, Baltimore at Tampa Bay. Normally, I always go with the home team on Thursday night, but Tampa Bay is brutally injured. Um, I'm going Baltimore. Uh, I'm, I'm going Ravens as well. I'm just I'm staying on the theme of something is broke in Tampa Bay, and I will not have faith and belief until beat I that, see that change. Beat that dead horse or beat that dead goat, whatever you want to you know no. beat. You know, beat it. Just beat Michael, like Michael Jackson said. Just beat it. Just, just beat, it. beat it. All right. Getting to Sunday's matchups: the Denver Broncos at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is this in London now, right? Oh, yes. Excuse me. London. This is in Wembley Stadium, only available on ESPN+. Plus. Oof. Oh, man. Denver at Jacksonville? Well, Denver. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Denver. Desperation game. Wolverine comes out. Just enough to make, you know, to doubt, to put the doubters, uh, maybe the silence of doubters. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Broncos here. Yeah. Damn it. I you can go first, first next one. How about okay. that? I, I, I will. Um, I, I, I too believe. Oh my God. I don't even know how much I believe this. Cause there's nothing about me that wants to pick Denver for the rest of the year. But I also think to this point in the season, Jacksonville is overachieving as well. And I think the neutralizer is it's in London. It's not a home game for either one of these. And I'll give the nod to the vet, 
the Wolverine blood. I'm I'm yeah. I'm on I'm on the Broncos. For me, it's the Jaguars red zone offense has been awful. They cannot score once they get into the twenties. And you got Denver's defense is pretty damn good. So I mean that that Denver defense is is tough. They are real tough. And uh, and they're deep. So yep. All right. Next Carolina at Atlanta. Division games are always tough, uh, but give me the dirty birds in this one. Okay, yeah, I, I will also go with Atlanta. Okay. So Falcons. Was last week Carolina's first game with the new coach? That always happens, right? I think it was the first game. No, second game. Uh, because the first game was when they threw what's his face out and then he ended up in Arizona. Okay. The the loke dog look alike. Yeah. Robbie Anderson. I couldn't dry. I was drawing up like dog. <laughs> bro. Tell me, he's the... dude. They put those pictures up all the time. It's so yeah. funny, bro. Right. Shout out to Marlon Wayne's right there. Not a lot of people gonna know that, man. No, that, that's throwback. Don't all be right. a sucker. Don't be a sucker. The Chicago Bears, the Bears at the Dallas Cowboys. Well, Cowboys. I, I don't. I'm not. Still not a Justin Fields believer. No, this is this is Cowboys too. I'm not either. Um, I mean, listen, he didn't even do anything that imp- like he ran the ball a lot, right? But like that ain't gonna cut it against Dallas. He was so bad. He's been so bad in his career. Even when he looks mediocre, it makes him like a superstar. I know it's tough. All right, the Miami Dolphins at the Detroit Lions. <sighs> Detroit man, they're slipping, they're falling, they can't get up. I'm going Miami here. I'm going Miami because that defense in Detroit is putrid right now. It's just putrid. And I I know I talked about McDaniel not being able to necessarily adapt in the game like his, his coaching tree. I'm not sure he's going to have to do much. I think they get out early. Um, that's it. And Detroit's banged up, too. I mean, they're banged up, right? Like, is Amaran playing? I have no idea. Is Swift playing? I have no idea. And the defense has been putrid. So I'm Dolphins, too. All right, the Arizona Cardinals at the Minnesota Vikings. I'll go if you want me to go. Look, I'll, I'll, I'm taking the Vikings. Um, I think that the Vikings are playing good football this year, coming off a uh, coming off a bye week, so a little bit of rest. Um, and good news for Viking fans is this is not on a this is not prime time. This is not Monday Night Football. So I think you'll see a a strong version of Kirk Cousins. I think you're going to see a concerted effort to feed number 18 the ball in the passing game, Justin Jefferson. And honestly, look for look for Dalvin Cook to have a big game. Okay. I disagree with you. I'm picking the Vikings, but I don't think the bye uh, – the, a bye week does not help a quarterback like Kirk Cousins. It makes him rusty, I think. But I think they do enough just to squeak out a victory against the Cardinals. Moral of the story is you're picking the same team. Yeah. Okay. For different reasons. Got it. Las Vegas Raiders at the New Orleans Saints. I'm I'm going with Raiders here. Uh, there's nothing that's that makes me think the the, the Saints are the Saints have been awful. Uh, it's it's shocking. I think the Raiders they have a, they got their their second victory last week. Taste of you know taste of success. I think they parlay into another win. All right. I'm going with the Saints. I wanted to go with the Raiders, but this is where I'm going to roll the dice. I think um, and because they played Thursday night last week, um, so they get a little bit of an extended time off. I think this game comes down to they find a way to get really creative and get 
uh, Taysom Hill back involved. Every time they get Taysom Hill heavily involved in the game plan through the air, running the ball, um, they tend to do well in that game and they get away from it from time to time. So I think this is the week they find a way to get Taysom involved. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say the New Orleans Saints. Okay. And then I'll probably be five games behind going into next week. <laughs> oh, I do it to myself every week. All right, the New England the New England Patriots at the New York Jets. I'm going Patriots, man. And let me tell you why I'm going Patriots. A, Brees Hall, out. Huge yep. part of their offense, explosive. I know they got Robinson, but he's – He won't play this. He will, he will be no impact this week. Yeah, and I really think that Billy Boy got embarrassed on national TV and he's going to go in his bag and get something for the – uh, the Jets to make to make sure they realize who they're messing with type stuff. So I'm going Patriots. Yeah, I think this is a Zach. I'm going Patriots too. I think this is a Zach Wilson sees ghosts types of game. Right when I go back to Sam Darnold, I think uh, nobody takes kindly to being embarrassed on on national TV. Uh, and then when you have someone like a Bill Belichick's ilk, um, I, I just I just see this going south. And I, I, the Brees Hall losses is. is Huge on all fronts with the way he's playing. So I'm, I'm going Patriots in this game as well, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Philadelphia Eagles, the Pennsylvania battle. Is it going to be a battle? You know where I'm going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eagles. Fly Eagles. Stop it. I'll leave, I'll leave the stream oh, right I now. hate it, bro. I hate it so much, dude. I know too many of them. Um, all right. Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans. Titans. Titans. Yeah, it's Titans. It's Titans all day. I don't even. Davis Mills is hitting the struggle bus as as time goes on. Um, the Commanders, the Washington Commanders, I want to call them the Washington Football Team, at the aforementioned Indianapolis Colts with Sam Ellinger as your starting quarterback. Oh man. Uh... <laughs> I don't know if it matters because it's Taylor I... Heineke is the other guy. I'm, can I say a tie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's possible, right? Like, uh, uh, but there's no push here, right? If if a tie happens, like that's a win, right? If it doesn't happen, it's a loss. I guess I have to. I have to go Commanders. Heineke has a little more starting experience than Allinger, and I'm sorry, I have to go Commanders here. Wow, I'm I'm torn, and this is why I'm torn. In my experience, all right, so Washington's coming off of beating the Green Bay Packers. At right? home, yeah. At home. So that's like Super Bowl win for these individuals. <laughs> and there were things that looked good. And in my experience, usually that first game a backup quarterback plays, they tend to look good because the, the, the game plan is simplified. I don't think Frank Reich's going to put Ellinger in a, a terrible spot and ask him to do too many things. So they'll reside on what they're good at. And usually backup quarterbacks go in like Sam Ellinger has got nothing to lose. Literally nothing to lose. Saw the same thing with Taylor Heineke when he first came in and, and took it for Bailey's at like these guys, like they have nothing to lose. Just go out and play the game, go out and execute the game. That's called. If you lose, nobody was expecting you to win anyway. Um, I'm going Colts here, dude. Okay. I actually can see that too, but I will be a man of my word and stick with Washington. All right. Um, 49ers at the Rams. You can go first. I'm going first. I'm, I'm taking the Rams, and this is not to just hedge my my feelings. 
Um, I know I've, I've, I've pulled this stunt before, but being Rams are coming off a bye. They've had a week to prepare for this. McVay knows what his record is against Kyle Shanahan in the regular season. But you've been saying this for two years now. No, because they never play each other off the bye. I, I know, but like, I don't think there was anything that inspired. Like, listen, I don't think the Rams are the world beater Rams that they were last year by any means, right? Like, and the Super Bowl champions, I think they're a far cry from that. But I have not seen anything in the last two weeks from the 49ers that inspires me to think that they're going to win this football game. And I can't just rest on the Kyle Shanahan own Sean McVay. Like that's not enough, right? They still got to go out and play football. And then if I'm, if, if, if the Kyle Shanahan owns McVay keeps this even for me, then what tilts the scales for the Rams is had an extra week to prepare for this game, a division game. How many games am I playing? I'm up five on you. You're up four. I think, hold on. Let me go back to the notes here. You're up four. We have two different. And we have two different right now. Screw it. I'm going Niners, man. It's just that they, you know, you always talk me out of the Niners and the Rams. I always feel like they're going to win. And you did it last time to me. I'm doing it again. Uh, more Christian McCaffrey, more wrinkles. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, the offensive line of, of the Rams, if you want to call it that, it's non-existent. Running game has been non-existent. You think they're going to be able to – are they getting players on the offensive line that's going to change their running game in the week? I, I didn't see anything. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry. I'm, 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 the Niners always play up, and they just are they just match up well against the Rams. I'm going Niners. All right. Hope you're right. Hope I'm wrong. Uh, but I just can't. Like there's just like there there's nothing that inspires me over the last two weeks. Just there's just nothing that inspires me. And that's uh, why that's why that's why they're going to win. Yeah, because they're going to come out. Sense. It makes make, no sense for them to win. And then next week, us and all the analysts will be like, this is a Super Bowl contender. <laughs> right? Like, that's how the question does. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. New York Giants at Seattle Seahawks. I'll let you go first again. I'm going to take the Seahawks here. Um, I, think I, I you told, have to end Seattle. It's in Seattle. It, it's man. in Seattle. That's the difference, right? Like, traveling across the country. Um, yes, Seattle just came off a big victory for sure. But I'd argue that the Giants have come off several big victories. Something has to give for one of these teams. I just think, I think Seattle's going to impose their will running the football. Yeah, I, I'm with the Giants. I'm a, uh, my strategy is kind of like roulette. It has to turn to black eventually, right? So yeah. meaning like, I, I, I'm saying the Seahawks. Right. Then we get into Sunday night. Packers at Bills. I can Bills. just write us both in. Yeah, this is this is Bills. And then Monday night is the Bengals at Browns. Yeah, go Bengals. Bengals. Yeah, I don't I don't see how that plays out any other so way. After this week, Weston, you hypothetically could be right back in you. it or yeah. way out of it. Or yeah. way out of it. Um, hopefully there's a there's a fair balance in between. All right. Lou, we're gonna end like we do. Or what like we have been. Give me a and you've and I'm gonna I'm gonna allow you to take your victory lap. I'm gonna mm. celebrate you here for a moment. You've been pretty really incredible with your, fantasy, your fantasy football nuggets over the last few weeks. So do not disappoint. Yeah, no, Come no with pre- something for me. So you know I'm one in six in our league, Weston, and I don't know how I'm, I'm pulling out all these uh, fantasy nuggets here. 
and obscure too, by the way, obscure. Yes. yes. All right. So uh, let's go down memory lane. Last week I picked down Daniel Carlson, uh, the kicker for the Raiders. I said, he's coming off a bye. Make sure you get him. Uh, and once again, he had double digit points. He's always had double digit points outside of week one. So uh, that was a nice little, uh, uh, you know, victory for me. I had Wanda Robinson. He had 11 points. Not bad. Uh, I also sent Alan Lazard, and he was starting to do well. He had 11 and a half points, but he left with a shoulder injury. So I was I was right with that. You cannot uh, fault me when it comes to that. Once again, make sure you go pick up Kyron Williams. He just got off uh, IR. Uh, he's practicing this week. Get him before it's get him early before it's late. So that's one of uh, I'm going to double down on that. So uh, some other tidbits I have for this week. Um, Greg Dulcich. I'm not sure if you remember Weston that when we covered our our draft NFL draft, he was one of my favorite players in the draft. I say he reminded me a lot like Dawson Knox. I go, that was his floor. Uh, his ceiling, I thought, was uh, Mark Andrews. And he has that good yards after catchability. If Russell Wilson plays, I definitely think he'll, he'll increase his stock. And he's had uh, he had nine targets last game. Dialed uh, Greg Dulcich up. I got him in our league, so yeah. All right. Um, I like Dulcich. Um I, based on our conversations and our evaluation of the draft, I carry him and he's been stashed in several leagues. I'm just waiting for the opportune time to play him over uh, Dawson Knox, a Tyler Higby, somebody along those lines. Um, timing just hasn't worked out just yet. He's on my taxi squad. So I haven't even called him up to the bigs yet. Just hanging on to him, mm-hmm. but I get to hang on to him for years to come. So I'm excited about that. From my perspective, I have, I have four nuggets. Okay. Two of these might feel obvious. Two of them, maybe not so much. So start with, all right, in Seattle, we just talked about this game. DK Metcalf, most likely not playing, right? Even if he plays, he's banged up, but most likely not playing. And in his absent, Marquise Goodwin, 40, former 49er legend, former Bill legend, uh, played pretty well to the tune of four for 67 and two TDs. Um, he's going to be uh, he's going to be involved. He's going to be in the mix. He's still showing that he's relatively explosive. So I think if Mark, if you're in wide receiver by you're in injuries, Marquise Goodwin is probably available and probably a solid play for you at this point, because outside of Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who were you playing in Seattle? Uh, but I think the matchup favor favors him as well. Uh, this is not a strong secondary from the New York Giants. So how about so, Noah Fant though, too? Think about it. Maybe they change priorities and, and focus yeah. more towards the tight end. So Noah Fant could be a uh, Noah Fant could be a play as well. I think you got to like a lot of Seattle's weapons this week, right? Like Giants are finding a way to win win games. Defense has been formidable, um, but they haven't been impressive. And outside of some younger talent that have big names that haven't flashed just yet, there's a lot of nobodies that they're lining up, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But they're 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 finding ways to win. The other for me is CMC's gone. Right. So Dante Foreman is, is a play this week. I know both him and Hubbard had big games last week in that win over Tampa Bay. Hubbard's ankles a bit nicked up. I think the ball tilts and leans towards Dante Foreman in this instance, division game. They're going to run the ball heavy. Uh, I do not believe that they are comfortable in letting PJ Walker push this ball all over the field. 
Um, and I think they're going to, just like they did last week, they're going to rely heavy on the, the run game. And we've seen this, we've seen this movie before, man. In uh, Derrick Henry's absence last year, Dante Foreman had a few productive games last season. And I would expect that to, to continue. I don't think the matchup is super favorable. I think Atlanta plays well on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage, uh, but they're going to, they're going to, they're going to lean heavy on them in my opinion. Yeah. I, I also have a, do you have more or no? Uh, I, I have one more, another running back. It, it's Michael Carter this week. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people have been playing him anyway in the timeshare, but even it's even more obvious. And I think you got to go all in on this guy in the short term before James Robinson gets there, gets settled, and it becomes a timeshare again because James Robinson will – I love the move by the Jets, right? Like I love the aggressiveness. Go get somebody that we can put in right away that we know can play. But Michael Carter does a little bit of it all, right? Like he catches the ball out of the backfield. He'll run between the tackles. He'll do everything. And I think this week you're going to get a heavy dose of Michael Carter – yeah, I think you got to take advantage of it just based on touches. That a lot he's of dumps, a lot of dump offs. Yeah, he's just going to get touches. That's a good one. Uh, I'm just going to give one piece of advice to fancy owners uh, out there. Uh, the trade deadlines fastly, uh, fastly approaching November 1st. This is the week, though, to keep your eye on what's on that waiver, right? So I want fancy owners, and this is I, I love the fact that I've been eliminated so early in our league because I really can kind of talk to you my mindset how i approach things and i know you have so much going on in life you will never remember this next year but so uh that's why i feel comfortable you know regurgitating this all right so fancy i mean uh the trade deadlines next week look on the waiver wire if you have some bums on your bench get rid of them right if you have a second or third tight end on your bench or a second or third quarterback get rid of them start picking up those names that have been rumored so far your nelson aguilar's your Kendrick Bournes, your Chase Claypools, Elijah Moore. Two of my leagues, Cam Akers is on the waiver. Pick them up now because if they go to a, a a team where they have a greater opportunity, you do it the week. You always look two weeks ahead. So you do it now, and I can see the look in your eye, and you want to see. <laughs> this is the third week in a row. You you've like literally stopped being like a like a podcast host and just like shit. I gotta see who's on this. I waiver. just I just want to check. You know what I mean? I just but walk you inside. Do it now when you still can, as opposed to next week after. Because gotta think about it. The, uh, the trade deadline will gone and pass by the time waivers hits, and then now you're in a bidding war. It's true. Um, it's true. Um, and and worst case, if you're wrong about it, you put you them. You, you, yeah, yeah you drop somebody that you didn't have, um, that you weren't gonna. You drop somebody that you weren't gonna play anyway to to, to roll the dice. You know, those, hit a home yeah, run those, and those Patriots receivers. You know that they could find some homes. Uh, you know what? You might want to look into trading for Brandon Cooks. He looks like he might be on the way out. So if he goes to Green Bay, does his his values skyrockets? So you want to target these players that you hear these rumors about, and you get it before it happens. You can't you can't react. You have to be proactive when it comes to fantasy, man. Hundred um, percent. My final nugget is sit Tom Brady this week. <laughs> that's just my, my, that's I don't my know. final nugget. I don't know. It's that's the running fun. game that's been really bad, which pains me because in our league, Len- Leonard Fournette. Um, but that's that's it for me from a fantasy perspective, Lou. I love I love your nuggets. You go deep. You let us into your psyche. So greatly appreciate that. 
That being said, I think it's time for us to call quits on our recap of week seven and mm-hmm. our, our forward thinking into to week eight of the NFL season kicks off tomorrow night. Um, hopefully we'll have this video live and ready for your consumption prior to that. That's my my commitment um, back to the, the, the listeners to be able to get that done tomorrow. But Lou, let's end like we always do. Um, where can the where can the audience find us? You can find us at WTF Pod NFL on Twitter and Instagram. And Weston, give a shout out to the, uh, the YouTube page. On YouTube, we're talking football. That simple, that easy. Hit the like, hit the subscribe. Uh, help us out. Again, I mentioned we do it all for you anyway, as selfless, the selfless individuals that we are. Uh, yeah, we're begging, we're pleading is what this comes down to. But we Lou, got, yeah, what's the one, uh, the old woman that used to like for the, like for the ASC PCA or something with the with the these dogs are calling for you or you get just Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, so we gotta a, get Sarah McLaughlin song. Just yeah. a dollar a day, just a a, a a subscriber a day can really do a lot for Weston and I. Yeah, I mean, Lou and I are trying to quit jobs here, people. Let's get <laughs> let's get this shit in order, right? Like that's where we're trying to go with this. Um, now, nah, but Lou. Always a pleasure, man. I always enjoy just talking ball with you and, and kind of recapping what we saw and venting our frustrations on a, a number of topics. So until we reconvene next week, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Signing off.